Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. We got meat to to eat tonight. Meat that'll give you strength. I think of the disciples coming to Jesus after he'd been with the woman at the well and he said, I have had meat to eat that you know not of. They said, well, where did you get meat? We, We were the ones that were doing the shop. And he says, my meat is to do the will of my Father which has sent me. So tonight, we're going to do the will of our Father, which has sent us. We're going to receive his word, and we're going to act upon it. It's a, The title for my message is so appropriate tonight is, Out of Your Belly Shall Flow Rivers of Living Water. Praise God. And I, if our ushers want to come tonight, if you want to get your Bibles while you're standing there, we're just going to go right into our service. Uh, if there's a breakout session tonight and you uh, are part of a breakout session, you can feel free to leave. Um, also, remember this Friday, uh, we have prayer 5 to 10. So, uh, also midwinter conferences this week as well. I want to start with a verse that's not on my, my list I will stick to the list possibly more after this, but I wanted to start with John 14. And I'm going to jump down to um, verse 7. Because as I was standing here tonight, I realized how closely this verse fit into the message that the Lord wanted me to deliver here today. And I, I really admire Philip his inquisitiveness. He asked the question that everybody was thinking. You ever know anybody that he'll say what you're afraid to say? They'll just say, hey, listen, just let me say it. Oh, Philip is the man. Jesus said, if you know me, you will, uh, if you know me, you will also know my father. Verse 7 of chapter 14. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Lord, said Philip. Show us the Father. That's enough for us. Jesus stops a moment, sort of thinks, looks at his disciples and said, says to them, have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who's seen me has seen the Father. How can, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I, I don't speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise believe because of the work's sake. And so tonight, um, I want to talk a little bit about if you know Jesus, you know the Father. If you've got Jesus in your life, you've got it all. 
So John, while you're standing, turn to John the seventh chapter. I also want to read from there and then I'll let you be seated. John 7, verse 25. Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, isn't this the man they want to kill? Yet look, he speaks publicly and they're saying nothing to him. Can it be true that the authorities know that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, nobody will know where he's from. As he was teaching in the temple complex, Jesus cried out, You know me, and you know where I'm from. Yet, I've not come on my own, but the one who sent me is true. Notice the next words how blunt and cutting they are. You don't know him. I know him because I'm from him and he sent me. Oh, that made them mad. Then they tried to seize him. Yet no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. However, many from the crowd believed in him and said, when the Messiah comes... He won't perform more signs than this man has done, will he? Oh, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, so the chief priest and the Pharisees sent temple police to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I'm only with you for a short time. Then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me and you will not find me, and where I am you cannot come. Then the Jews said to one another, where does he intend to go so we won't find him? He doesn't intend to go to the dispersion among the Gentiles or Greeks and teach the Greeks, does he? What is this remark he made? You will look for me and you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. This happened on the, the, the day before the last day of the feast, that great feast. So the next day takes place in verse 37, one day later. It says, on the last day and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. If anyone thirst, doesn't say anything about race, background, education, status in life. Jesus says, anyone that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. The invitation is universal. And he says, if you believe on him, as he's instructed you to believe, what will happen to you is that you will never thirst again. 
never thirst again. For out of the innermost being or the soul of your, your heart will flow an abundance of water, not only nourishing and refreshing you, but will spring up within you and reach out to others. You could be a type of that rock in the wilderness that gives nourishment to the thirsty. I become a conduit, a vessel of life. It's important to the kingdom of God. You may be seated. When you look at this scenario, it's Jesus is not talking before a very loving crowd. He's talking to a divided crowd. He's talking to some who see him as a pretender, saying that he can't possibly be the Messiah because we know him. He can't possibly be the Messiah because he's not appeared as we supposed he should appear. See, the Jews at that time thought the Messiah would just appear out of nowhere. He would just one day be there. They never thought that the Messiah would be raised as a child amidst their, their culture and, and, and appear as someone that they knew. So thus they disavowed even the works that he did. They disavowed the miracles, the good things that he'd accomplished because he did not appear in a manner that they had expected him to appear. But others said, you know, he must be the Messiah. Because when Christ appears, the Christ appears, can that Christ that you're looking for do any more miracles than this man has done? So they had some faith and belief that Christ was Messiah. But the divided crowd the opposition begins to intensify because as the Pharisees began to see that there was a remnant of the crowd that was beginning to believe in Christ, they sought to stop him from teaching. They wanted to arrest him. But Jesus tells them, if you would have known me, you would have known my father also, but you don't even know my father because you don't know me. I, that sticks out to me a little bit. How can someone tell me about God that doesn't acknowledge Christ? I dare say if I take this a step further and we want to talk about Islam and Buddhism and, and all of the diff, different isms that are in the world, we always hear the statement, well, all roads lead back to one God. It's just they worship him in a different way than we do. But that, that's completely contrary to what Jesus is speaking in this verse. If you don't know me, it's impossible for you to know my Father or to know God. So I dare say that without the revelation of Jesus as God manifested in a human body, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in him bodily, him being the image of God, the, the Father in creation, the Son in redemption, and the Spirit of God in, in regeneration, it's impossible for you to acknowledge who the Father is. And I think sometimes, even in the Trinitarian formula, 
because people don't recognize who Jesus is, even in their, in their religious beliefs, they never get the true concept of who God is. That you can, you can talk to them about the monotheistic God, the oneness of God. God is a spirit. He fills all, all earth and heaven. There's not a place that you can't go that he's not already there and dwelling. That they never grasp the concept that God is not a person. He is a spirit. And that the spirit, eternal, omniscient, omnipresent spirit, dwelt without measure in the body of Christ. Jesus said that this was the foundation upon which he would build his church. Some people may say it's not really important about this. But my Bible tells me unless you see Christ as he is, you'll never understand the concept of God as he is. If you reject Christ, you reject God. I can show you the scriptures that talk about that. John, the fifth chapter, verse 23. Whosoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. John 5, verse 42. I know that you do not have the love of God within you, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. Those are hard words. But if there's ever a day that I have to have some idea and some grip and some knowledge of who God is, it's this last day in which I'm living because every foundation is going to be shaken and everything that's lifted up against the worldly system is going to be tried to be torn down. I must be built upon the foundation of the church. John 6, verse 45. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. In other words, if you truly know the Father, if you truly know God, you will most naturally come to me. John eight nineteen. You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. I like what Jesus said in John 14 to Philip. He says, have I been so long with you that you have not known me when you see me? You see the Father. In other words, through me, you see God. Christ is the mediator between God and man. Everything flows through him. Without him, there's not even an entrance. He says, I'm the gate. I'm the way. Without me, you could never come to God. If God were your father, you would love me. Jesus tries to tell them that you think that you have power over me. But you only have power that I allow you to have. So they, they sent, like I said earlier, they sent uh, 
in verse 45 and 46, I believe it is, they sent the, the, the soldiers to arrest him. And they had a problem because these, these guards or soldiers came and they listened to the words of Christ. And they came back to the priest and they said, you know, um, I don't know what to tell you, but we couldn't do anything. And they said, well, where is he? And they didn't say, well, he's preaching. He, they just said, you know, no man has ever talked like this man. This is no ordinary man is what they're saying. You sent us out to arrest a, an imposter. But when this man speaks, it seems like all nature and the earth stand still to hear his voice. No man spoke, speaks like that man. Well, weren't they under... Uh, authority to the priest, it seems that they, for a moment, submitted to a higher authority. I, I think about Pilate and how we in the world try to elevate our authority and our power over, to God, over God to exempt us from responsibility, uh, the responsibility of obedience and submission. Pilate tried that with Christ when he was brought before him uh, before he was crucified, he says, don't you understand, Jesus, that I have the authority to let you go? I could just speak the word and I could give you freedom. Don't you know how important I am? See, that's your flesh speaking. Your flesh tries to exert itself above Christ, above the word, above authority. But you know how Jesus answered him? You have no authority unless it was given to you by my Father, which is in heaven. So the authority that you have isn't even your authority. It was given to you by God. And he said, if I wanted to, to show you, I could call my soldiers, I could call the angels of heaven right now, and we could, we could change the circumstances immediately. You could become the prisoner, and I could become the prince, or I could become the ruler. But my kingdom isn't of this world. You don't understand. Because you don't know who I am. Because you don't understand my mission. You're completely disorganized in your view of God and of, of why I'm here. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I give my life. And they have these responses that show their ignorance. No one seems to speak like Jesus. Why should we care if Jesus is true? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the hope of the world. I am the light of the world. Because in Christ we live. In Christ we have our being. Without Christ I am an empty shell. Have you ever wondered why Jesus gave the representation of the infilling of the Spirit in relationship to a natural thing of our flesh? See, I don't know about you, but on a hot day, when you're, you're sweating and overwhelmed with heat, have you ever got a nice cool glass of water and you just close your eyes and hold it in your mouth for a little while and, you're, and you can feel it as it goes down. It's like cold all the way down and it, it coats your stomach. You can feel the cool and it refreshes you. How wonderful that is because your body needs water to live. 
But Jesus is not talking in this manner about the physical element of your life. He's saying, just as important as water is to your existence, my spirit is to your soul. So that without the spirit of God inside of your soul, you don't feel refreshed and you are not enlightened. I think about all the miracles that Christ has done in my life. I think the greatest miracle happened unintentionally, and it it just sort of snuck up on me. And if you would have asked me when I was a child to give you an essay on, on the Trinity, to explain the Trinity to you, for instance, I probably couldn't have done it. I would have just said, well, God in three persons because I knew the doxology. But one day, at Parkway, during the service, something came over me where all of a sudden the revelation of the deity of Christ, like a divine revelation, swept over me, and I saw God in a way that I'd never saw him before. It was like my eyes were opened, and I said, Jesus is God. There's not three. There's one. There's one spirit, one body, that spirit in his body, which makes him the son of God, and Jesus actually speaking to me and saying, that spirit that dwelt in me is going to be in you. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come unto you. At that day, you shall know that I am in the Father, ye in me, and I in you. So it's, Paul said it, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, if you don't understand who Jesus is, that may not be a big deal to you. But when you realize that Jesus is the manifestation of eternal, most powerful God ever, how do I compare him? I can't compare him to anything. I think sometimes we're not thirsty because we're not working. If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. If you're staying in the air conditioning, sleeping late, you're not drinking as much as the guy that's out in the field bailing hay. Because they're expending energy. And so one guy is craving water and the other one could probably do without it. Do you know that when you're really thirsty, really, really thirsty, if I gave you an opportunity of having a great big tall glass of ice water with a lemon in it or a Pepsi, which one would you take? Now, some of you are going to say Pepsi. I know you. It's just like some of the seniors I work with. They've, they've never had a problem in their life. No, the body is satisfied with water. It needs clear, pure water to satisfy its desire. So don't give me anything that's messed up or mixed up with something that's not divine because it's never going to quite satisfy me.
there's first, there's three things that are implied with this gift that Jesus is talking about. The first thing that is implied is the water's free. Anyone that thirsts, let them come unto me. There's no charge. The Spirit of God is given to you without cost because the cost has been paid for by Christ. That's the only condition. Believing and believing on him as the word tells you to believe. Second, you've got to have the thirst. It's free. The element that makes it essential is your desire. I I think about my brother sharing with me the testimony of his receiving the Holy Ghost. He talked about that several weeks ago here on a Sunday. Well, I happened to be there the day that he received it. And I, me and my brother would, uh, would talk at times about how he wasn't receiving it. And he would ask me, how could you receive it? It's not fair that you received it and you came in after me. I was here first. I thought seniority had to get that union spirit out of that man. I was here first. I should have got the Holy Spirit first. But what was the difference between him and me? There was a simple difference. When I received the Holy Ghost, I was thirsting for it with everything because I'd seen someone else receive it. When I saw my sister-in-law, and I didn't know she was speaking in tongues, she was a little further away from me than I, I could hear But when I saw the look on her face and I saw the joy she was experiencing, that was enough for me to say, I want whatever she's got and I want it now. See, people that don't receive the Holy Spirit many times aren't really thirsty. Oh, yes, they they want it. It'd be nice to have it. It'd be one less thing to worry about or to think about in your life. But when a person says, I can't live without it, and I'll go to any limit to receive it, it seems like God says, now that you're thirsty and your mouth is open, I can fill you. I always like to tell the story. That was in 1972. Uh, They just invented language at that time. And I'm teasing you. It was right after dirt was created. All right, that's my sense of humor for the thing. Okay, we're done. But it was, no one had ever taught me a Bible study. I'd never been through a new converts course. I was just as green and as green could be. And when they told me that Liz had received the Holy Ghost, I'd, I'd heard the terminology, but I had no idea what it was. And I said, God, I don't know what that Holy Ghost is, but whatever it is, I want it. And when I began to pray like that, without any instruction, without any teaching, my lips immediately began to stammer. <laughs> Was that scary for a moment? It, it's, it was like, what's going on? I, I've never had this happen to me before. But it felt good. It was a good stammer. And I, I started to draw back. 
And the Lord reminded me of how foolish I was when I was younger about how I could trust people that I didn't know to give me things that, and I didn't even understand what they were giving me. And he, he, he reminded me of a time that I took a drug from someone that offered it to me and he said it was great and I trusted him and I took it and he brought that thought to me I nearly lost my job that night when I took it. But he reminded me, and he says, if you could trust him for something that you didn't know you were taking, can you trust me for this? And I remembered how stupid I was for taking that, and I said, of course, Lord. And I forgot about everything that was happening, about who was around me, who would think... Me strange for my eyes tearing up and my nose dripping snot. And I said, God, whatever it is, I want it. I want it in my life. And it seems to have been a pattern that I've held on to because I still want all that I can have. Lord, don't hold back. Even if I don't understand it, Lord, if there's something more for me, I, I desire it and I trust you for it. Well, I started to stumble around in my speech, and pretty soon I was speaking in a, things that gibberish, I guess, you would probably call it. I didn't understand what I was saying. But I remember how the more I spoke like that, the better I felt. So pretty soon I stopped thinking about what I was saying, and I started enjoying the experience I allowed myself to be carried on a wave of emotion and spiritual regeneration that brought me to a level that I'd never been in the, in the world with before. And eventually I, I sort of landed and I looked around and there wasn't hardly anybody left. Just me and a couple ladies and and I was, I just, anybody that was near me, I started hugging whoever came within arm's reach because I just, I've been hugging ever since that I get into trouble. I remember hugging somebody the other day and they weren't ready for that. And I said, uh-oh, I looked at their face. I said, I better step back real quick. No, no problem, sorry. It's just natural for me to do that. But I loved people it changed me. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And people could feel that. Now, you know what's kind of strange? Now, now I have people come up and hug me that I don't even know. Yeah. Right, Jay? Yeah. No, but in a sense, because they feel the love of God, and they respond to love with like feelings with love and there's nothing unholy about that but the sad part and the real test to the infilling of the spirit that night was not just speaking in tongues and the love that I was experiencing but it was a woman named Esther Vincer who uh, attended Parkway and some of you might even know her came up to me probably about 9.30 and she was had a lady tagging behind her, and they, the one lady was crying. And 
Esther said, um, Steve, I, re I really hate to tell you this. I, I know you just got the Holy Ghost tonight, and I, your car, that 66 Mustang in the parking lot, the maroon one with wide oval tires and chrome rims without any rust on it, that car, the nicest car you've ever owned in your life? Well, this lady, I was trying to get her home before her husband came home because he's forbid her to be here and he had threatened to hurt her if he found out she came to this church. And in my rush to get her out, I ran broadside, broadside, into the driver's door of my car and smashed it in. Now, if she'd have did that before service, And what happened next showed me that a miracle had taken place that night, a great miracle. I looked at her and I, my eyes teared up, not for my car, but my eyes teared up because I had compassion on her grief. That's, that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, weren't you, man? I looked at her and I said, Esther, what I had happened to me tonight is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life, and I can't imagine anything better than this. I said, you know, that car, as nice as it is, it had been in the junkyard in another five, ten years. But what I've got tonight, I get to keep. And so what I'm saying tonight is, that, that spiritual gift that's available to you, it's not a one-time experience. The infilling of the Spirit refreshes you, it regenerates you. But I drink every day in my flesh. I'm trying to drink more water and less coffee. But I still drink. I still need to give my soul what it needs to regenerate. But to do that, I first must believe that it's free to me. I can't earn it. I can't buy it. I can't beg for it. It's free to me under the qualification that I desire it. I desire it and I intend to follow God God's directions and how to use it. You wouldn't give your, your child something very valuable without teaching them how to use it and how to take care of it, an owner's manual, because they'd wreck it. And when Jesus said, they that believeth on me as the scripture has said, he's really just saying, if you desire it, this, I want to give it to you, but I expect you to maintain it and take care of it. And it will perform as it was intended to perform in your life. Not only will it give you uh, spiritual renewal, but it will give you enlightenment. The same people that tell me that I don't need to speak in tongues with the evidence of the infilling of the Spirit are the same people that don't know who God truly is. See, if you don't realize that it's Christ in you, 
that when I receive the Holy Spirit, I'm receiving Christ in me. If I reject the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I'm rejecting Christ. And how can I ever expect to know God if I reject Christ? It doesn't matter that these Jews said the Pharisees he was talking to knew the law and they followed all the moral and the ceremonial and the judicial law. They still didn't know him, God, because they couldn't recognize Christ. But one day they will. One day the Jews will mourn for Christ as one mourneth for their own son. And at that day, they will see him. They will see Jesus and then they'll understand who God is. So that's my thought for tonight. I, I think about those oasises in, in our lives that God sets for us if we want them. And uh, let's just stand together tonight. I think I've said just about everything I've intended to say. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.